All right, 5 o'clock hour, and uh, very excited to, to do this uh, interview. Phil Still, man, Phil, we were uh, 28 years now of your magazine, and it's kind of one of the uh, rites of passage over the summer. It means college football is on the way. Phil, do you ever, do you allow yourself like a, like a glass of uh, champagne or anything to celebrate when you finally put the, the magazine to bed each year? And I mean, I know it's got to be an interesting process. I think from reading it, um, you, you try to take it all the way to June, but Phil is only, I mean, in this wild, wide world, you know, wild world we have with realignment, it's almost impossible, isn't it, to always account for everything. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it has really changed with the uh, transfer portal. But the good news this year, Matt, with the transfer portal is that it actually closed on May 1st. So if you were going to transfer and play somewhere, you had to get into the portal by May 1st. Now, that didn't capture everybody. But by going June 8th, we got a lot of almost all the players that have uh, landed since then. Like, uh, you know, an Addison, Jordan Addison, who went from Pitt to USC, uh, we were able to capture that because he went to the press later than everybody else. But yes, uh, the magazine, I start the Sunday after Thanksgiving and work all the way through June 8th, a lot of 70 to 80 hour work weeks at final months, probably close to 100 hour work weeks. And uh, yeah, there will be some type of uh, champagne type thing when that final page goes to the press, because it's finally a relief. And, you know, this is my fun months now, June, July and August. I get to just talk football like you do, uh, Matt. And uh, it's a lot of fun just doing the uh, radio shows well i and i appreciate you you being on with us our people love it and uh, phil Steele's college football 2022 i i just saw it, a newsstand and and uh, very prominently placed in all the barnes and nobles across all of central texas into the metroplex and you guys uh, certainly have a great relationship it seems with barnes and noble over the years and a lot of other places as well and it just is fun to to see it you know, Phil, one of the things I like about what you've done over the years is you're constantly tweaking and sort of coming up with your own formulas. And part of that I know from reading you over the years is because you were asked to be a part of the of the BCS and 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 they would use different experts. And so uh, by way of that, you are constantly tweaking everything and coming up with different uh, different percentages. Of all the different things you do, plus, minus, up, down, what, what, is the one, what is the one you found that people seem to be drawn to the most? Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the one on page 39, which is your top 40, and that, th- that kind of encompasses a lot of things, which is your strength of schedule and everything. But, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. You have about nine different models that you put together, is there one, Phil, that has really risen in terms of what a lot of coaches and, and, and readers seem to uh, gravitate toward? Yeah, I think the two articles that are the favorites are the most improved teams, which have a great track record. About 75, 80% of the teams go from a losing record uh, up to a, 
being bowl eligible. So that's what qualifies you for the most improved. Then the surprise teams are non-top 10 teams that I think actually have a shot to make the playoff. It doesn't happen very often, but the majority of them that have, we've captured it. And we've had a lot of close misses. Uh, A couple years ago, Utah nearly went from a number one surprise team or non-top 10 team. All they had to do is beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. They would have made it. Uh, And we've had other years where the, the team has made it. Those are probably the most read articles. One of my favorites is uh, the stock market indicator, which uh, is is we've put in a magazine, oh, I don't know, about 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And it shows you that if a team reaches a peak last year after being low, generally there's a regression the next year and vice versa. Uh, the, you know, you've got the bull market where a team is at a low point last year after having great years of greatness. They usually bounce back. So that that's probably one of my favorites. The other one would be close wins, close losses. Yeah. Uh, a team like Nebraska is the poster boy for that this year. You know, they outgained opponents, I think, by uh, 56 yards per game in, in Big Ten play last year, yet somehow finished 3-9. and nine. They had seven net close losses. Their three wins were all blowouts. All their losses, almost all but one, were within seven points, which means they were basically seven plays away from being a 10-2 and two team last year. And uh, those are probably the more popular of the yeah. metrics ones. But I think each of the metrics does draw a following. Well, I like anything you do. Talking to Phil Steele, Phil Steele's College Football Magazine is really one of the great magazines out there, and it's there's no filler. I I think I love how I mean it's it's you know there you know, obviously you got to sell some ads, but there's a lot of there's just a ton of information. Now I really like it for people visually uh, impaired like myself with with uh, <laughs> with astigmatism. I like when you put stuff in like purple, like this 2020. 22 surprise teams you were just referencing it and and i also like the fact that baylor is number four in your 2022 surprise teams and i think people would say well why baylor they they shouldn't be any surprise they won 12 games last year and won the sugar bowl but kind of like you just said these are teams that do not end up in that ap top 10 and so that's how they kind of become eligible to be a surprise team and you've got the bears number four and then phil and i'll let you talk about that a little bit but i also love the fact that you go over to your to the right of that the top uh non-power five surprise teams and i think this is a great thing for the big 12 one two three on that list ucf cincinnati houston cougars that really bodes well for the new, some people might say improved Big 12. I probably wouldn't go, go there. But uh, I would say all of this uh, on the surprise list, Phil, is good news for the Big 12. Yeah, I agree 100%. And as you touched on, you know, it's tough in the American Conference to pick who's going to win that. The UCF may be the most talented team. They've got the most coming back from last year. And last year they suffered a lot of quarterback injuries. Cincinnati is a team that, uh, of course, was in the playoff last year. They lost a lot. But I tell you what, talking to Coach Fickle as I do every year, he has really built this thing. If you go back to my first conversation with him when they were coming off a losing season and had some ill-fated recruiting classes, prior to him. He's done a tremendous job. And Houston avoids both UC 
UCF and Cincinnati in league play, which makes them a threat. And you got to like the job uh, that uh, they're doing there with Holgerson. Uh, and last year he finally had his first normal year, and now all three of those teams are going to be moving to the Big 12. But as far as Baylor goes, you know, I find Dave Aranda just to be a fascinating head coach. Uh, I think I'm going back all the ways to his days. I remember at Wisconsin one year, he was the defensive coordinator, and coming into the season, they had like two returning starters. And all my metrics said, okay, Wisconsin's defense is going to take a big drop off this year. They've had practically nobody back. They haven't had great recruiting classes. They only have two returning starters. What can they possibly do? And they have one of the Big Ten's best defenses. So all of a sudden, my antenna went up anytime I heard Dave Aranda. Loved the job he did at LSU. And in first year at Baylor, you have to cut him some slack. He took over without the benefit of spring practice, everything that happened. Went two and seven. You would expect that of a first-year head coach with COVID. But last year was fantastic. He did a tremendous job getting the team to 12-2. and two. And they've lost some pieces from last year, no doubt about it. I mean, the top two rushers are gone in Abram Smith and uh, Tristan Ebner. They lose their top two receivers in Tyquan Thornton and Drew Estrada. They lose last year's starting quarterback in Gary Bohannon. And they lose some players from the secondary. But Aranda's an outstanding head coach. I like what he's got at quarterback in Blake Shapin. Yeah, he's got a very deep, uh, not not the stars that he had last year, but a good, deep uh, group of running backs. The offensive line, I actually rate number seven in the country. And the defensive line, number four in the country. You remember that 2019 three-man front that just was able to dominate games. Yeah. He might have that under he might have that again this year. It's my fourth rated defensive line. Not only have three starters back, but they had in a player like Jackson Player from Tulsa, who I think is a very underrated defense lineman, and that's going to be the key to the defense. And then the special teams are solid as well as number 20. Now, last year they got Oklahoma at home. This year they have to play them on the road. That's one of the negatives. They also have to play Iowa State on the road, BYU on the road. They've got some tough games. Texas on the road as well. So the road schedule a little bit more difficult than last year. I don't think Baylor's going to be in the preseason AP top 10, but I put them number four because if they survive those road tests and they've won some big road games in the past, uh, I would see Baylor is definitely having a shot to get it. And the Big 12 media definitely bought in. Uh, they voted Baylor number one in the Big 12 this year. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the few times I've been very proud of the media, Phil. I think they uh, <laughs> I I agreed I agreed with them. And uh, talking to Phil Steele, Phil Steele's uh, 2022 College Football Magazine. It's been a uh, 28 uh, the 28th edition of this, and now there's a there's a huge online front uh, uh, as well. And so there's a lot of stuff you can do to read Phil Steele. Phil, I. I love and it kind of reminds me a little bit of of, of, of Kuiper uh, is that you may have a few notes in front of you, but pretty much all that stuff you just reeled off, you probably just have in your head. And uh, it's kind of amazing because there's a huge amount of numbers that you put together. But I do love that, that the Baylor uh, D- uh, D-line, number four in the country, O-line number seven, only quibble I had when you were doing positions in the Big 12, I thought that was interesting. You did not – you had Shapen with an eight, I think, uh, by his name. Now, that pop probably is just pure inexperience. But I think that – I guess the, the uh, small material sample size we have of him – 
He was so incredible. Um, I would have expected him to be higher. Are you someone, Phil, when you're doing all those rankings, it's kind of like, hey, you got to show me more than just a couple games? Yes, and there are some pretty good quarterbacks, as you know, uh, in the Big 12. I mean, you could even go to Kansas. Uh, Jalen Daniels gave you a really good sample size last year of how electric he could be. Uh, When he took over as a starting quarterback, they knocked off Texas on the road, nearly knocked off TCU in West Virginia. You got guys like Tyler Shuck at uh, Texas Tech, who got injured last year, but he's a veteran starter from from Oregon. And keep in mind, in the Texas Tech offense, you're going to throw for a lot of yards. Uh, JT Daniels. Daniels, who just uh, he was a Heisman uh, front runner, and then the last year transferred in from Georgia. He's now at West Virginia this year, so that makes them dangerous. You've got Sonny Dykes, who's got Chandler Morris and Max Dugan to work with, and he's got a high flying offense. You know, the quarterback that wins the job there uh, at TCU is going to throw for a lot of yards. Uh, you also have players like Adrian Martinez at Nebraska, or excuse me, at Kansas State, who yeah. comes over from Nebraska. Quinn Ewers, who is my number one quarterback coming out of high school, uh, originally signed at Ohio State. He's moving to Texas. Spencer Sanders, a veteran starter at Oklahoma State. And at Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel had a fantastic year in 2019 at UCF. His offense coordinator that year was Jeff Levy. Jeff Levy's his offensive coordinator here at Oklahoma. So it was tough just ranking them in order, yeah. trying to get the uh, the quarterbacks. So in the long run, you know, a lot of stuff I do is is in the computer as well. I have my computer rankings, and it spits out a number. And part of the computer number there is based on experience. So if, you know, you got a guy like JT Daniels who's thrown for a lot more yards and was higher rated coming out of high school, he's probably going to rank ahead of uh, Shapen at QB. But yeah. I'm excited to see Shapen play this year as a full-time starter. Well, and to your point, part of your rankings, you were ranking the quarterback room, and Baylor is extremely unproven behind Shapen. Uh, you had Gary Bohannon transfer out, and I think uh, uh, Dave Miranda, another reason people like him so much, he put the player first uh, and, and announced that as quickly as he could so Bohannon could transfer out. So I kind of I understand why you might have Shapen a little lower uh, in terms of it's not just Shapen. It's the quarterback grouping there. Uh, talking to Phil Steele, and uh, we're looking through Phil Steele's uh, uh, college football magazine. It is out, grocery stores, bookstores. Uh, I, I know you can sign up for it. It's really all over the place. In fact, they had a beautiful display at the Barnes & Noble where I was the Lincoln Center. This uh, happened to be this afternoon in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as we get ready for Big 12 media days. Um, Phil, the, uh, the, it, when you ranked the conference, it, it became very uh, obvious that you have Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas all sort of grouped in there pretty close together. But you you have OU, you went against that pack, and you have OU number one. Now, we know they lost a lot of players, and they lost their starting quarterback, the, the Phenom. Tell me what you think of, of Gabriel coming in there, and then, and then just what gives you the thought that OU under Venables, that he'll be able to, to, to come in there and, and maybe win this conference right away. Yeah, a couple of items. Uh, first of all, I mean, we know Lincoln Riley's done a great job recruiting. And while they only have five starters back in, on offense, five on defense, 
uh, the bulk of those players are still there. Then you look at the transfers they brought in. As mentioned, Dylan Gabriel is not trying to learn a new system. He's playing in one he's familiar with because Jeff Levy was a great hire as the offensive coordinator. Uh, they also have some transfers coming in uh, on the defensive side as well, which is going to help. Venables is a guy that knows defense. Uh, I've got him as a uh, the de- defensive line, linebackers, and DBs all rank in my top units. Bill Bedenbaugh, their offensive line coach, who I'm on the Joe Moore Award Committee. Uh, those guys love Bill Bedenbaugh, and I think Bedenbaugh's got one of his better offensive lines this year. In fact, I rate him number eight in the country coming in. And then the main thing is the schedule. Last year, if you look at Oklahoma's two losses, uh, they came on the road against both Baylor and Oklahoma State, both games on the road. Uh, this year, they get both of those teams at home. You look at the last uh, three years of non-COVID, uh, this is a team that's gone 20-0 and at home. So they're tough to beat at home. They get the toughest two opponents at home. They're going to have a solid defense under Venables. There is talent there. They've got a quarterback that knows the system and an outstanding offensive line to go with. And those are probably my main factors. And I'll say this. Last year, if you take a look at college football, uh, last year almost every team was a veteran team. They had uh, 90% of the teams had 17, 18, 19 returning starters coming back. Baylor had 17 returning starters coming back. Uh, Oklahoma State was a veteran team defensively. Almost the entire defense was back from the year before. And the power teams were the ones that took a drop off because you had everybody was experienced due to COVID with the exception of those that lost a lot to the draft. Ohio State didn't even get to the Big Ten title game. Clemson didn't even get to the ACC title game. Oklahoma didn't even get to the Big 12 title game. This year, everybody has losses. Baylor only has 12 returning starters. Oklahoma State only has 11 starters coming back. So everybody's back on the same playing field. I think we will see those power teams reemerge this year, and, and all that was part of the equation. Well, it's going to be fun, and uh, it, it, as you know, Phil, the the, uh, the Bears, and you noted this in the magazine I saw, it, it's it's kind of rare when you basically have nothing coming back at, at running back and nothing coming back at wide receiver. And, and a very small sample size, albeit we think he's extremely talented at quarterback. I mean, it, it Baylor is one of the biggest – uh, boomer bust things out there in in terms of what kind of what you're talking about. Unbelievable in the trenches. Talented at linebacker. Pretty talented at DB. I think you had him rated pretty high at DB. Uh, and one thing I loved about reading through your thing, you knew about Matt Jones. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of magazines. They kind of go with the popular names like Doyle. Um, it's it's it becomes very obvious that you do it. You know, all your research, and I've known that about you for years. Now, one worry you have about Baylor is something you mentioned. Uh, one of your categories that's interesting to me: the close win. And close loss factor. You brought it up in Nebraska. Lots of, I mean, you know, some of their stuff didn't, their record didn't really match up with their yardage. With Baylor, they had like five close wins and I believe only one close loss. So a net four on on close wins. And, And I think history dictates, Phil, as you point out in the magazine, that it's hard not to kind of go back to the mean. It's hard not to drop some the next season. Not saying that's for sure going to happen, but that's really been the history, hasn't it? It sure has. And each of the metrics that I use in the magazine, I go back 
can do a lot of research on, and generally they all tend to be in the 75-80% category. Now, that, that means that there is there are teams. One out of every four teams will go against the grain and beat it. But generally, 75 to 80% is a pretty strong number. And, you know, this is a team that, uh, you know, when you look at Baylor, they were plus 12 in turnovers. Well, that made my turnovers equals turnaround article. We found out through the years. And that, was, that by the way, was my first metric I ever put in the magazine way back in 1995. I did turnovers equals turnaround. I did it on five years of research. And teams that have benefited from double-digit turnovers one year – didn't usually get the benefit the next year. And 75 to 80% of the time had a weaker record, and vice versa. Teams had negative double-digit turnovers one year, 75 to 80% of the time improved. That's held through all 28 years of the magazine. So that was the first of the metric articles and the reason that I have so many metric articles in there. So, yes, the indicators are all out there saying Baylor will probably not match last year's 12 in total. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's an aberration, but I. Uh, I know what you're saying, and uh, it's kind of cool hearing you talk about how you've been doing that again from '95. We think of like Bill Parcells, for instance, of being uh, so old school, and yet when I covered him with the Cowboys in like 2003, 2004, the the things you're talking about, Phil, and I bet you've crossed paths with Bill at some point. Like he was so far into it like the analytics of it, and uh, it, it, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, people have talked about the football outsiders and all of that, but you were doing a lot of this before anybody, so it's pretty cool. Now, we do have a ton of uh, – talking to Phil Steele, Phil Steele's uh, college football magazine is now on newsstands around the country. Phil, the Aggies, huge win uh, over Alabama last year. Uh, you know, you don't – it really didn't get great quarterback play, maybe except for that one game. But, again, they loved, obviously, beating Saban in Alabama. Uh, where, do you, uh, where do you have the Aggies, and is this a team that, uh, that you feel like has quite a bit of firepower this year? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in the SEC, I rank them number uh, the Alabama the best, uh, Georgia second best, and then clearly number three to me is Texas A&M. And all you have to do is go look at what Jimbo Fisher's been doing recruiting-wise. Uh, I get to talk to Coach Fisher each year and going through the team with them, getting that second and third team. Wow, this team is talented. But I'll tell you what, when I hung up the phone with Coach Fisher this year, I was like, wow, this is going to be a great team next year. <laughs> I think next year when all this inexperience they have, I mean, they lost all four starting defensive linemen. They lost a good portion of their linebackers, uh, the secondary. A lot of the units, when I was talking to Coach Fisher, he would sum up and say, well, we're inexperienced, but we're going to be really, really, really good next year. And it seemed like almost every position was wrapped up that way. I think this is an A&M team that's poised for a potential title next year. But let's try to keep some of that in the bag for this year. Uh, we'll talk about this year's team. As you pointed on, they've got two really good quarterbacks. I like Haynes King. It's too bad he went down to injury last year. Max Johnson was a starter at LSU, so they're going to get better quarterback play. They've got some star players, Anaya Smith, a wide receiver, a chain a running back, and they're deep in the backfield. The offensive line, even though they lose their top guy, they're more experienced than they were heading into last year. And I like the talent on defense. I just wish they were a little more seasoned. One of the reasons I didn't pick them to win the SEC West this year is they do have to travel to face Alabama on the road. They also have to play Auburn on the road. Uh, so there's a, a decent, tough road schedule. But I think this is a team very 
capable of hanging with Alabama in on the road, even though Alabama is very talented, and uh, potentially getting a 10 or 11 win season this year. And I'm I'm really excited about A&M next year. All right. Well, Phil, it's uh, always a pleasure to visit with you. Do you uh, do you have any sense, by the way, realignment wise? Do you do you think do you think things will settle back down a little bit, or do you think do you like the thought of uh, the Big Twelve adding some of these uh, uh, Pac twelve leftovers? I mean, are we going to look up in a few weeks and and uh, and 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 really see the the absolutely the end to the Pac twelve? That's a heck of a question, and uh, I think if anybody in the country knew the answer to that question, it would be really <laughs> neat. I, you know, just two years ago, if you asked me, I would have said we're headed to five 16-team super conferences. Now it's like, are we headed to two or three super conferences? Yeah. I'm just going to sit back and watch and take it all in. The good thing is it doesn't affect the magazine because we're just forecasting this year's games and this year's conferences. But it's sure yeah. it's going to be fun, uh, and I, I think we're going to see more more events happen in the next couple of months. Well, listen, uh, congratulations on the magazine. Uh, as good, if not better, than ever. And uh, I know you were ready for that thing to hit the press, and, uh, and, and it did. And now it's out there all across the country. So, Phil, it, me, it uh, means a lot for you to do this. We really appreciate having you. Hey, Matt, I always enjoy talking football with you. appreciate you having me on and, uh, and tweeting out the picture of the magazine there in Dallas. So I thank you very much for that. Always happy to do it. There he goes, Phil Steele, the dean of football magazines. His, uh, his, you can buy one all throughout the country right now. It'll get you pumped up and get you excited for those games coming up in September. All right, next we get you caught up. Some summer league action in the NBA and some Baylor. Baylor loses in the Global Jam, but some good things came out of it. I'll tell you what, next.